0: Hello everyone, welcome to Titty Tattles.
1: This is Sydney and Phoebe joining you from Taipei and London to gossip about movies, pop culture and social issues from the perspective of two cosmopolitan Asian girls.
0: We met at university and have both studied abroad in the West. This podcast is about having relaxed conversations, respectfully debating the controversial, exploring cultural nuances, and having fun while we do it.
1: So sit back and pour yourself a martini. Or a glass of whiskey. Or your whole mini bar while we bring you some prattle. With a lot of giggles. So in today's episode, we're going to talk about the popular Amazon Prime production, The Marvelous Mrs. Maisel. If you're here, we're going to assume that you're watching the show, so potential spoilers ahead while we discuss Mitch's progress as a comedian and with her family. This show was interesting to us because a woman pursuing a not stereotypically female career in 1950s America is a very fun feminist topic that we can also relate to as women in Asia today. And also there are quite a lot of similarities between Jewish and Asian culture that I learned from watching the show. So the show starts off with Mrs. Maisel in her happy upper class New York housewife role, and shows a lot of the, a lot of the interactions between husband and wife in 1950s America. So Sydney, what did you think <laughs> about the husband wife dynamic at the beginning of the show? I hated it. I really <laughs> hated it. I hated it because Mrs. Maisel
0: started off as this bright, funny woman during her wedding. Right? That sketchy, yeah, did. And so brilliant, like that. She's like. A combination with like she has that um you know that girl that plays uh, the first queen Elizabeth in the Crown I I'm sorry I can't remember her name at the moment
1: no okay so she on. she's
0: really pretty she but she has that like like that very sort of Anna Kendrick but slash um female comedian vibe um. and it's it's a it's a breath of fresh air and I love it and then you see her husband and it's like. Mm. So I, I don't average. want to sound sexist when I say, yeah, I don't want to say man up, but like, own up to who you are. Like, you're, That's you're like a good not point. accepting yourself. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah. How about
0: you? What did you think about their dynamic? Yeah,
1: I, I kind of felt the same as you. I, I loved the part at the start at the wedding where she was just giving a whole speech impromptu, and it was so good. And then she seemed so happy in her housewife role, yeah. but... She's just such an energetic and vivacious person as a whole. She has everything all planned out. She's just making her way through life and getting it all done. Whereas her husband is just like, mm, got married. My father told me to get married, have a job, not sure what I'm <laughs> up to. Trying to be a comedian, stealing other people's jokes. And it's like, oh, I know. H- how can she love him so
0: much? I know like the plagiarism part was just like really he's
1: justifying that based on what
0: like if i had an ego i would like i would have an issue plagiarizing
1: <laughs> yeah i guess they're just kind of in denial about the shitty stuff that they're doing <laughs> and they're able to sweep it under the rug of their ego <laughs> So yeah. Anyway, what do you think uh, is the similarity between how the husband and wife dynamic is in the show and what we see in Asia today, mm-hmm. or maybe not today in our parents' generation as well?
0: Yes. So I understand that from a very like Chinese, like East Asian centric perspective, where we call 三从四德, where the woman has three things that she has to follow and obey in terms of the household her father her husband and her son and then the she sure also things? has four virtues <laughs> yes and then in the bible the wife is oh, i've heard this from so many friends i haven't read that specific passage but i hear it so many times that i want to punch people that women are supposed to sort of like help their husbands flourish and i'm like Fuck you. And that- <laughs> <laughs> but um so and there's so many similarities between Jewish culture and Chinese culture in that sense especially in the 50s America. Yeah. And I I'm not comfortable with it but I see that dynamic. I see that parallel going on between both cultures. It's also very common today. Is it common for you in your culture?
1: Yeah, I I think in China we still generally have the same dynamic even in mm-hmm. the more contemporary cities. It's the minority mm-hmm. that have graduated to a more equal way of doing things and i think we've discussed this before that marriage culture in china is still very (laughs) material based there's you know they consider the house and the salary and who's going to take care of the baby that kind of stuff but not so much of the individual aspirations you know here's
0: something funny that i might have told you in passing in the past few years
1: yeah so i i
0: dated this guy and i'm 27 right now so i met this guy when i was like 25 or something uh-huh. and I assumed that I lived in a very liberal bubble given what I study <laughs> but yeah. I met this guy in, in the same bubble and he told me that I that although I was semi-attractive or something, that I wasn't a fit for him because I had ambitions and dreams. He said that he needed a woman who was ready to stay home, keep all of the domestic affairs aligned so that he could focus on his career
1: so he wanted to marry a nanny yes and
0: he was like what two or three years older than i am so it's not like he i was like you know flirting with a dad you know i was like in shock i was like wow like how do women not slap you in the face when they talk to you
1: (laughs) I mean, if someone said this to me and I was a person who just wanted to take care of the domestic affairs in the family, I would be offended. That's what he expected. Yeah,
0: and oh, he also pointed out that he wanted a girl that was like moldable, that was that he could cultivate into enjoying the same uh, cultural interests as he did. And I was like, you have some issues to go through.
1: (laughs) Ooh, red flags all over the place. I know. I just I'm glad it didn't work out well. So. I hope they invent some highly specialized android sex dolls for him. <laughs> I
0: love that. That was such a that's a nice piece of shade that you threw at him. <laughs> I love how this show resonates for someone like me. I live in Taipei. It's the 21st century. I'm still meeting guys who think in this archaic sense. Uh, I feel like, obviously, there's always going to be that person in the relationship where they're like, I don't want to do the work. My job today has been a shit show please someone do something that makes me feel good I feel like it should be like a something they do for each other rather than someone expecting the other person to just completely take over the housework which reminds me of this Chinese drama I don't know if you've seen it called or I think something about I've heard of it but I haven't actually watched it myself is it good? I think it's, it wasn't bad because the main character's husband cheats on her because she was such a badass businesswoman so she put they did this business together and she took care of so many things And she put her her development in this company on pause because she had to take care of the kid. And then when the kid was old enough, she needed to get him connections as many Chinese dramas feature. Like, you know, the kid has to get into like a nice fancy school. She has to Mm -hmm. get in with all like the rich wives and stuff. She was so brilliant. She was very scheming in a very business sense. And she did all this work. And her husband was just constantly threatened by her. And he cheated on her in the end because he felt like he wasn't that important. He felt like he wasn't appreciated. And... I just that bothered me so much because I feel like I understand it's still a prominent issue. But why is it still a prominent issue? Like, you should be able to be comfortable enjoying that your husband provides more and you should also be comfortable enjoying that your wife provides more.
1: How can this guy still be threatened by his wife after she's already quit her job and she's just being a badass at doing wife things? Because she eventually wanted to develop like her own career. She ta-
0: she wanted to take on different roles uh, as a, like a sub part of the company, and he just he wasn't happy right. with that.
1: It's so unfair h- how there's this expectation that as a woman you need to be like less capable than your husband. Like even if you are more capable, hide that you're more capable to soothe his ego. And it's the same situation with Mitch and Joel in the show, right? Because Joel sees that Mitch is a much better comedian than him and it absolutely breaks his self-esteem somehow. He's unable to accept being with her even though he loves her just because, I don't know, is it because she makes fun of him or is he just hurt that she's better than him at something that he enjoys
0: yeah i definitely think he feels very like bitter about that but what i do like about that show is that later on he does start to accept that and he kind of stands up for her in a certain sense when she's still struggling with acceptance from her parents for her budding career
1: yeah I do like that, but I was kind of annoyed with her ongoing True. romance with him. I was like, Move <laughs> on, we've moved past this guy. I like this new guy, Ben the doctor.
0: but I think like for women when when they decide to commit to a relationship i don't i don't I can't speak for all women, but I feel like for many women, I'd say that whether you're a feminist or not, whether you're Asian, whether you're Jewish, whether you're um American or British, it's very easy to just you know to really believe in commitment and and when that bond breaks i feel like women beat themselves up a lot more than they express about how the relationship went sour
1: yeah even in contemporary culture women are taught a lot more to want a bond that lasts something that is forever and long term whereas men don't seem to strive for that as much it's more encouraged for them to get more experience with girls when they're young, play around. Mm-hmm. There was that really weird part in the divorce scene <laughs> with Mitch and Joe where they go to get divorced and Joe is like, I- I'm here for emotional support for my wife to <laughs> file for divorce from me. And the judge gets so confused, like, so are you sure you want to get divorced?
0: <laughs> yeah, but-, but that's also the beauty of that show because even though it touches on gender roles, it addresses them, and makes us think, react, and wonder about gender roles in the 50s and how they are today. I think that there is this playful understanding of like, you know, they were in a committed relationship, it wasn't so simple, they still have a lot to figure out, and which is the essence of modern romance in itself, right?
1: Yeah, they weren't just the stereotypical shitty husband who cheated on her with the secretary, though. That's where they started, you see a lot of character development on both sides. So on the subject of Mitch and Joe's divorce in the show, that was like a big plot point, right? And her parents mm-hmm. were so totally horrified that <laughs> Mitch was getting divorced. It was like social death for them. How mm-hmm. do you think that uh, is reflected in uh, culture in Taiwan? Is it still very frowned upon these days? I would say yes. And I think it's self-inflicted. Like I've been
0: brought up with my mother telling me like, I don't need you to get married before 30. You can be a little spinster for like here. But I feel like if you decide to commit to a relationship, you should make it last. It shouldn't be something that where you're like, "Well, worst case scenario, we get a divorce." That shouldn't be on. That shouldn't be an option for you if you really decide to make such a huge commitment. Which um, I think resonates with one of these articles that I read in Mandarin the other day um, by this um, like more cultural influencer. He he said that he's called Ling de and he said that mm-hmm. the issue between what happens after you get a divorce or what happens before you get married whether it's the prenup or the divorce like the custody battle the issue is that for some reason we make it super easy for two people to say i do and sign a paper and say i commit to thee for the rest of my life we make it so easy for people to do that and we make it incredibly painful for two people to separate with the with with, with the, the the suing the divorce That's battle true, like, yeah yeah and i feel like it, it, for me, when I grew up, I felt like I was struggling between like, you know, I could just get a divorce. And then I realized that in different countries, and different cultures, divorce is perceived differently in both society and the legal sense. I realized it's true. The real question is, why do we need to get married so early? Why do we have to jump into it without thinking, is this
1: something that we want to do? Is this the person I want to do it with? right? Yeah, I I also agree with the idea that divorce is something that you should consider seriously, you shouldn't just jump into the the marriage with the idea that if it doesn't Mm -hmm. work out, then we'll just get divorced in the same way that you would like have a relationship and just break up. Because Mm -hmm. if you're going to do that, then why are you going the extra step to get married, right? It needs Mm -hmm. to be something more stable than that. But If it just doesn't work out with the best intentions, I think it's horrible at that point to be criticizing the person for getting a divorce if they've already done everything in their power to make it work.
0: I was wondering if it's different between all our cultures because um, I'm Taiwanese and you're Chinese. Um, I've definitely never experienced the Chinese upbringing, but uh, there was this recent movie that got nominated for the Golden Horse Awards, which is the equivalent of the Oscars Mm -hmm. in in Taiwan. And it was it was called wait means like that. Uh, directly translated, it's, it's called I think it's called Big Little Women or something. But in Mandarin, it translates as like you know that feeling of sort of loneliness or isolation or mm-hmm. or that special kick to your personality in, in terms of cultural context. And it talked about how this protagonist had this shitty relationship with her husband. He was irresponsible. She was the breadwinner of the family. She brought the kids. From, you know, scrap to having the having the ability to open her own restaurant. And she never divorced her husband. And the story starts out, sorry, spoiler alert, where the husband appears dead. And because he technically is still part of the family, they have to handle his um, his funeral and all the after affairs. And it creates tension between the women in the family. And I know that some people find it as backwards feminism. I agree. There are a lot of plot points where I'm like throwing eggs at the, at the <laughs> screen. But... I understand the old lady's mentality because that was a mentality that I was taught as a kid where like divorce is seen as an assassination on character and marriage is something where constant compromise and never saying no, never ending it is what's, it's it's a virtue for anyone. Not just the woman, but for a general virtue. And I would understand why in my culture, divorce is such a hard thing, but you see the pain women or maybe even men go through when it's an abusive or toxic relationship. And I, as a modern Taiwanese woman, I find it's a very gray area for me to be a part of. How about you? How is it like in China?
1: I also see that. Yeah, I I totally understand what you mean with the woman in the show. That kind of mindset is still very prevalent, not just in older Chinese people, but a lot of the younger Mm -hmm. generation as well. Like, I know that in China, with the way the marriage market works if you get divorced and then you're looking for another marriage, even if Mm -hmm. you were married for like three days, that the fact that you were (laughs) married and divorced instantly lowers your value. Before, maybe you could (laughs) have gotten a hot guy with a good salary with a similar age, but now you can only go for a hot guy with a good salary who's like 10 years older than you, or has a kid or whatever. Very harsh standards
0: there. I I feel like in the show, the same thing goes on in in Jewish or 50s American Culture where like there's also the sense where like not only is, is divorce something that is taboo you're also marrying not for yourself you're marrying for society you're marrying for your parents standards for your responsibilities and your obligation to continue the line I know it's not about you if you're happy in this union it's like you have to save face for your parents and that's almost something very common in Asian culture as well which is why I love the parallel there
1: yeah and I'm also kind of questioning the idea that everyone thinks Joel was shitty for ending the marriage but I I don't actually blame him for that part. I don't think it's good that she, he cheated on her. But mm-hmm. if it's not working in the marriage, then I I think it should be applauded that he took that step.
0: Yeah, I completely agree with you. I think in Asian culture, no one wants to be the bad guy, and no one wants to be. But but everyone likes to play the victim. I think that type of emotional blackmail is so consistent in our understanding of relationship dynamics that. If it turns out fine, two people get over it. They feel like, ah, c'est la vie, this is life. Or it's a constant grudge that never gets dissolved. That's my observation.
1: I'm not sure how it is for you. I feel like in Asian culture, a lot of guys would be too cowardly to do what Joe did, even though they would be just as unhappy as Joe. They they would just be shitty husbands and be unhappy Mm -hmm. and not provide any value to their family. But they would be too cowardly to make that step. Because they don't Mm want to be the one society blames that the marriage Mm dissolved because of you. And it's so unfair to the kid at the same time. Like, I'm very curious
0: how things work out for them. Uh,
1: Yeah, I really hate this idea of parents having to stay together because of their children, even if they're not Mm -hmm. happy. Because my parents Mm -hmm. were not happy and they fought all the time. And I would really rather they just got divorced when they weren't happy because it was very traumatic to see your parents yelling at each other all the time
0: it's like your understanding of marriage and union and love was based on a lot of verbal violence and disagreement and the inability to cope
1: with the other person yeah it took me a while to transition <laughs> to the idea that marriage has its virtues my first idea of marriage was like why does anyone do this it's obviously awful that's that's
0: probably every kid that is surrounded by divorced couples or dysfunctional relationships though yeah and it's really unfair to them because there are successful relationships there are relationships that were right at the time but inappropriate later on and we should be we should be taught to understand and accept the the different types of relationship we engage and learn how to deal with intimacy but that that on top of western values of how marriage is a romance proposal rather than a practical proposal of two unions i feel like the fact that we are situated in like china and taiwan that there's this clash of western values we're third culture kids and then there is this understanding of traditional values and we're never taught how to deal with intimacy and in relationships i don't know if American americans or british confusing people are. arena <laughs> yes and like I-, I wish that was part of the education though
1: <laughs> me too me too Okay, let's move on to a different area of discussion. So as we mentioned at the start, the show has a lot of feminist tones in that it's talking about Midge who's trying to make a living as a female stand-up comedian in an age where people were not used to comedians being female. Mm -hmm. So I guess we can explore the topic of uh, career women versus housewives. Mm -hmm. So in a lot of Asian countries, I think it's still a default that women will quit their jobs after they get married or get pregnant with their first child as long as the husband is able to support their family on his own. How common do you think this still is in Taiwan? Is it considered a desirable option?
0: so i'm very lucky that i'm surrounded by a group of people or my career allows me to see a lot of married couples because i'm an esl instructor mm-hmm. um and i i don't have a definite answer for that i what i can be sure is that i feel like a lot of women are comfortable being the breadwinner So i see that dynamic a lot in among the kids that i teach um i also i've also seen women both on media or in person where because the guy's income is substantially higher in general so the wife, even with a college degree, is not expected to do anything financially. She's mm-hmm. expected to stay at home and take care of the kids and devote herself to kids, and that's an expect that's either an agreement or an expectation based on how you uh, you were brought up. Uh, one of the more interesting cases was that um, I go to the nail salon a lot. As you see, Phoebe can see my nails yeah. through the screen. <laughs> yes, um, and I get to talk to some of the the ladies, the artists that um, work there. And mm-hmm. there's this lady where. I, I was wondering why she was able to afford, like, um, stuff like Burberry and stuff, which I would consider still very expensive, even if you were working at a nail salon. Um, And it turns out that all the money she makes is hers because her husband makes enough money for her and her children to go to private school. And then once she finished, you know, bringing up the children through their, like, the earlier years of their infanthood, Mm -hmm. now they're at school, she has nothing else to do. And she's like, well, she decided to spend some money and learn how to do nail art. And she likes and doing it. And she likes doing it. I mean, I respect her so much because people keep assuming that women have to be like career women, as in like they have to have an education, they have to do something business-wise to be respectable. And, you know, to parallel between Mazel's like comedian career, which is not considered respectable, especially for a, fem- a woman at that time, Yeah. Uh, with this specific example is to say that this lady was so bad badass, she was like, I spent money, learned how to do this, and I'm happy. Because if I stayed at home, I fucking go crazy, and I applauded her for that. I was like, "You go, girl!" And that's that exactly perfect. how I feel about Maisel. Yeah, yeah, it's perfect, right? It's almost like a dream come true because I feel like even for people like us, we're sort of pressured to sort of develop our intellect or education and privilege to the to its maximum. Yeah. And so if I told my mom, "Hey, I, I want to go acting because my husband's rich enough," you know, people would still frown upon you, kind of right, and. In my culture, it's I, I hear this a lot, that women are not expected to be useless. Even if they, if, if they actively choose to be a mother, it's a choice. But if they had the option, they're expected to um, utilize their intellect and their education to
1: its full extent. How about you? So there's starting to be a perception in Taiwan that it's a better route for women to be career women even yes. after being married. Okay, that's interesting. I I think Mm -hmm. there is starting to be this perception in China as well, though now it's going back a little more to the idea that it's more desirable for a woman to marry a husband who would be able to provide for her completely, that she Mm -hmm. wouldn't have to work. But, you know, we went through a period of very strong feminist progression, and women were encouraged to leave the family and pursue careers. So it's been normalized for quite a while, but nowadays people are considering the financial stability and material needs more and it's the same with me when i was growing up i i was more idealistic and feminist and i hated the idea that women were always expected to be the ones to give up their career to raise the family because why should they maybe we have something very important to contribute to society that the man doesn't so why Mm -hmm. is it the default that the woman has to be the one to give up for the family now that I have entered this society mm-hmm. and experienced what it's like to work in a job, I'm like, it's not that great having a job. Having a job is different <laughs> than pursuing your aspirations. Having a job is just making money for most people.
0: I, I I get you. This is why I have been lucky enough to avoid boring jobs and do what at least gives me a chuckle after the day.
1: yeah. <laughs> At the end of the day, whether it's a husband that's financially stable, or if I eventually make enough that I can live off my investments, I think that would be the more ideal path than being a career woman being stuck in a job to be able to be financially free and pursue something that you're interested in without any monetary pressures.
0: Yeah, and it's very different for everyone as well, right? Um, and because like I feel like some some women strive to have that financial stability so they can pursue certain aspirations and some women want to actually enjoy the process because the process itself should be the aspiration exactly yeah,
1: yeah. <laughs> and I think Literally, she's actually in this very privileged position because her family is rich enough that even though yes. she's divorced from her husband she's not worried mm-hmm. about being thrown out on the street they even have a yes. nanny who can take care of her children we literally <laughs> never see her take care of her children to
0: touch on something that's less politically correct i love that women don't have to be moms but i feel like if you decided to commit to being a mother i know that motherhood is something that you have to warm yourself up to but Essentially, you're 50% responsible for the kid's overall well-being. Um, And I'm a teacher. I see a lot of cases where it's, like, very undesirable situations. And I feel like the one complaint I have about Midge is that um, you could have done a little bit more with your daughter. Even if taking her on the road was inconvenient. At least she was with her mother. Or, I don't know, just, like, put a little bit more thought into it. Because I feel like that's, you have 50% of the responsibility to be a stable parent and be there.
1: You yeah, know. maybe it's the angle of the show that it's focusing on her comedian yes. career, but yes. it, the, the little parts where it did show her children, when she spoke about the children, it was always a little disturbing to me how <laughs> little mothering she did. And maybe it was just yeah. normal in the 50s for the adults to eat at the dining room and the kids were just sadly sitting in the kitchen with the oh. nanny eating their own food. I am not used to that. I mean, and it's a very aristocratic
0: thing, Like, right? Even in, in our culture, I feel like if you have the capital, you would you would probably distance yourself from the kid in a certain sense because it would just be generally more convenient for you to focus on whatever interests you if you have the means to hire help.
1: Yeah, I, I feel like if I had the financial ability to hire a nanny, I would. But then how do you handle that trade-off between getting enough bonding time with your child but then there's also the icky parts about raising a baby and it's hard to do by yourself
0: i think it's like have you seen that part in, of sex in the city in the movies where like Charlotte, uh like charlotte gets to spend time in carrie's like extra apartment when she can't stand her life as a mom because her kids are like screaming at her 24 7 when they're there mm-hmm. and i think it's like it's like virginia wolf's like a room of one's own right like you I think it's important that women carve up some time for themselves, whether it's from being a full-time mom, which is very respectable, or from being a career woman and a part-time mom because she has a career. I think it's really important to for anyone, not even just women, to have that alone time and recollect your sanity. Um,
1: Absolutely. I value yeah. my alone time a lot. I can't <laughs> imagine just 24-7 taking care of another human being. But hey. <laughs> Uh, it's also a different
0: mentality. For some women, it's very natural to just like devote their time to a baby because the baby's cute. But then for some moms, there's just other things that are more interesting, like kicking ass at work. And babies babies can be boring. And I heard this from a comedian, Sindhu V. A co- she's like, you know, the thing with young kids is that they tell you everything you know, but they have to tell you. And it's like super boring <laughs> for you to what you hear. Mean? It's like, oh, that's a pen. Ah. There's a little pony and you're like, I acknowledge that. I know it's new for you because you're like five. This is your fifth year on earth, but you know, mama's been here for 40, So,
1: I actually think I would be okay with that. It's been pointed out to me before that when I'm just walking down the street, I point out a lot of things that are obvious. I'm like, oh, cool. A shop. Oh, there's a Lido there. But yeah. And that case, you would be very good friends with your with child. That. Yeah. <laughs> they'd be like, look, mommy, an ice cream shop. And like, Yay, an ice cream shop. <laughs> <laughs> uh,
0: there's this comedian called Catherine Ryan, and uh, she went on this show with um, Jamila Jamil. Um, she's an actress from The Good Place, and they addressed about uh, Catherine's daughter. because She raised, Ka- Catherine raised her daughter as a uh, single mom. And her daughter is supposedly very wise beyond her years because her mom had no one to talk to at that time, so she just treated her daughter as an adult <laughs> since a child, and the, the kid t- turned out to be very well versed and you know very mature. I feel like I might be that mom, but I would have like a Disney craze phase with my kid, as in <laughs> me forcing them great. to like Disney stuff.
1: <laughs> I think this idea that children are too young to understand some concepts is a contemporary misconception because yes. in the past, come on, fifteen year olds were being generals and kings, and they were totally fine (laughs) at it well I I wouldn't say fine because if you look at history (laughs) through the modern view nothing was really fine back then but the point is that they, Mm -hmm. they were like 12 and 15 and they were still doing totally adult things so if we just treat children normally like just explain it in the way that they can understand I don't think there are concepts that are just naturally not understandable for a child
0: Yeah, and I think it's also because sometimes adults also have a problem wrapping their minds around certain uh, concepts. So when they have to converse with children, they're actually not prepared to do it in a way where they're using what's relatable, what's easy to empathize with, to communicate. They're just really trying to explain something that they potentially
1: emotionally haven't accepted either. Yeah. I think that's one of the challenges of having kids that they're going to challenge you on what you know and you'll have to examine if you really know about these things. (laughs) Definitely. Okay, so uh, moving on with Mitch's career, what was so cool about the show is that she's trying to be a comedian in a time where there are no good female comedians apart from that Sophie Lennon who's really not that funny. But in the show... People tell her that women aren't funny and men want to fuck you and not laugh at you. And it's really sad that her parents mm-hmm. love her a lot. But when she tells them that she wants to be a female comedian and she's doing really well at it, they're not proud of her that she's doing well. They are just they feel embarrassed and awkward that she's doing something so weird for being a girl. Mm-hmm. When, when I was watching her progression as a female comedian from that first part when she just goes onto the stage drunk because it's what Joel Mm -hmm. wanted as a comedian. She's like, huh, so this is what it's like being up here on the stage, right? And just completely roasts him in the most perfect way. I was was rooting for her to succeed the whole way, and I was getting kind of impatient that the show wasn't showing her succeeding immediately. But it's more realistic that she wasn't. How did you feel about her career as a comedian?
0: Well... When she she decided she to do this as a stamp comedian at the time, as you said, the vast majority was male. And when people tell you these things, I feel like when I saw that, I was like, I was so annoyed by the fact that female humor and female intellect was not valued because the same thing was done when men had vulgar jokes, when men ex- kind of exploited their personal lives to get to where they are. Uh, and she was expected to do the opposite and still be funny. And, and and the sheer observation and skill she had as a comedian was completely overlooked because of that. And that really bothered me a lot. And it's easy for me to get irritated like this because today um, women are actually applauded for their ability to throw punches, their ability to call it out as it is. Um, but I, I understand, like... Like in terms of context, that worked because I was kind of that girl that wasn't appropriate when I was a kid. I always laughed at vulgar jokes. I was always told not to be funny, not to, you know, think about dirty things. Whereas now I'm very comfortable about my sexuality. I'm very comfortable, you know, especially with guys or with women, showing that I can be as vulgar as you would expect if I want to. Um, but I, yeah, I understand what she went through and I was not happy about it.
1: Yeah, I also was quite annoyed at this idea that vulgarity is not ladylike. And my parents and other adults kept telling me that I shouldn't swear because I'm a girl when I was a kid. And I, I was fine with the don't swear in certain circumstances because those are not mm-hmm. appropriate circumstances for vulgarity. I'm fine with that scenario, but it was the fact that you're a girl, so you shouldn't swear. Well, why the fuck not, eh?
0: Yeah, I know. It's like, I, I don't understand why girls have to be these, like, mealy-minded little lambs to society. It, it makes no sense. We have the same intellect. We are much more capable of doing a lot of things than men. And the fact that we own up to swearing, which is a lot... Swear words are, are like, highly associated with sex, right? Right. The fact that we have this side of us is completely frowned upon, especially in Asian culture today, is just annoying. I I remember this quote from Avril Levine that I used against my mom once when she was complaining about me swearing. I I love that. (laughs) I was like, I don't know if it was a correct source because I read it as it was a Chinese translation from like a not so well credited website. But anyways, it said like, you know, there are some girls that are very polite and appropriate, but you like... They have nasty hearts. And there are girls who speak vulgarly and they don't use the most appropriate language, but they're actually really good girls. So you choose what type of girl you want. The two-faced bitch or the real girl who tells you what she
1: thinks. Damn. Yeah, fair enough.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I remember censoring myself so much when I was a kid. I was afraid to even listen to songs with swear words in it. Like, speaking of Avril Lavigne, when her hit song came out, like, post the whole Skater Boy stage, it was the... uh. Hey, hey, you, you. I don't like your boyfriend. Uh, yeah. And there, there was like, uh, I'm a, something like, I'm a the motherfucking princess. And I was like, <laughs> that was so empowering. But when my mom came in, I turned off the stereo. I was like, I hope she doesn't hear this. I hope she doesn't hear this.
1: <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, I know. But what this reminds me of is that when I was like a teenager and first starting to have kind of sexually charged contact with boys of a similar age, I found that mm-hmm. they had very, very strange concepts of women that young boys who haven't had a lot of real life experience with girls, they Mm -hmm. tend to idolize girls and think of us like in a goddess sort of way, that we are pure and untouched and not vulgar and have no sexual thoughts. (laughs) And (gasps) I I think a lot of older men, because of the culture, they they are still in that mindset even after going through life. So that's what Gives women this pressure to be, you know, pure and not vulgar, but that's just not what humans are like. Come on,
0: a fucking Victorian angel in the house ruining feminism for for decades or centuries in that sense. Oh my
1: goodness, I, I know. That. There was this one boy in high school, at first he had a crush on me, and then uh, I forgot how, but he found out that I watched porn, and he was like, this has completely destroyed my view of you, you are not who I thought you were, and he stopped talking to me. Fuck him! I know, right? (laughs) Fuck him! (laughs) I hope he has learned some more about the truth of being a woman.
0: Oh man, I, I, I. Oh, I, I remember this thing that I used to do as a lit major because a lot of my straight guy friends in Taiwan who have no understanding of what lit majors do, they see, they, they seem to think that, um, you're classy because all you study about is Shakespeare. And I've made an effort every time on the dinner table. They're like, oh, what do you do? Is it like Shakespeare? And I'm like, well, if you want to be pedantic about this, Shakespeare talked a lot about reproductive
1: organs. Shakespeare so, made so many dick jokes.
0: So, yeah, and I'm like. So let me let, let me tell you what I do study. Uh, we study about incest, bestiality. Um, <laughs> uh, you know that's all embedded in Greek culture, which is the foundation of you know what we are training as lit majors. So uh, it's also necrophilia. You know Snow White. It, it, it's it's a lot. You know there's we don't really do very serious stuff as lit majors, you know
1: to be honest. Can I bring you to dinner parties? <laughs> Just like awkwardly talk about what I study, like putting everyone in like utter silence. <laughs> i love that
0: (laughs) i I make an effort to tell people that lit majors don't just verse in ancient english or or elizabethan english we actually talk about real stuff that it matters so you have a lot of (laughs) traumatized relatives uh yeah (laughs) (laughs) and friends and straight male friends who are in finance and and tech they're like what
1: Poor things. So, what do you think of this idea in the show that women can't be funny or women just aren't as funny as men?
0: I think, from my personal experience, since we already talked a lot about that in our previous segment, Mm -hmm. is that men don't understand female humor because they've never been, especially because they've always been in this position of power. Um, I remember telling you a, a lot earlier about um, Kelly or Kylie, I think it's Kylie, Kylie, this Taiwanese female comedian. And she made a lot of dick jokes about dick size and, Mm -hmm. you know, you know, um, having a standard metric for that. It was funny as a woman because every girl has had a dick pic before, whether it was an accident, whether it was out of the blue, whether it was intended, we've always had that unwanted dick pic. We've always had this issue with male men having an issue with their dicks. And it's always been something aggressive and unwanted, unsolicited, and men just will never get that because no woman takes a picture of her vagina and sends it to a guy. The well, they women would like that, women. wouldn't they? Yeah, and it's a different mindset. So guys have told me like, oh, I don't think Kylie's jokes are funny. I'm like, first thing, you're not a girl. So it's a gender issue. But I'm glad that my friends are like able to accept like, oh, yeah, you have a point. I'm not in a place to judge that type of joke because I've never been sent a dick pic, an
1: unsolicited dick pic before. Sure, yeah. What's
0: your take? I feel like
1: men have this idea that uh, women aren't as funny as men. This is what I've been told by a straight man before, that men needed humor as an evolutionary advantage because women in choosing partners, if you ask a woman what do you look for in a guy, nine out of ten women would be like, oh, I want a guy who's funny. But if you ask the same question to a man, not many of them are going to be like, oh, I I want a woman with a really good sense of humor. (laughs) And... So that gave guys the biological incentive to be funnier than women. Do you see the gap in that argument? I I don't understand.
0: Like, do you not want to enjoy the next fifty years of your life stuck with that same person, sagging tits and loose vagina? Like, you don't want her to be funny. You're just gonna be okay with the physicality of her being like obedient and passive and slowly deteriorating into like, come on. I mean, I I'm not trying to imply ageism here. It's just like, come on.
1: <laughs> you want something out of this that's depressing but it's true that humor is not one of the common traits that men look for compared to women men they they always come up first with the the physical attractiveness right Mm -hmm. and then what else do they say They, they want someone who's compatible with them on the same page but yeah they talk a lot more about physical physical characteristics Whereas because women they are want like, an audience. Smart and funny. Yeah.
0: Because physical attractiveness is just pointless at this point if you're going to marry a Neanderthal. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> um. <laughs> well, see, I I I think what I see from men is that you know it's like um, we we're going to talk about Chinese comedians later, and remember, there's that part from this female comedian Yang Li. It's that. Guys always assume that a girl wants to learn something from them when they <laughs> yeah. ask for advice or when they talk about a personal issue. Whereas when women talk about personal issues, they just want to, like, vent.
1: <laughs> they don't want
0: unsolicited. Yeah, and share and support. Uh, I think I think men have this imagined audience sort of mentality. It's like they always need someone to gawk at them. And if they're funny and less physically attractive, then it works for them, right? But as they don't want to be that person that's boring and not love without the applause, they don't want to look at it and be like, my wife is so funny, I would gladly laugh at anything she says and do her bidding." Like, no guy is going to be taught to think like that. And they're not going to be comfortable to think like that until they've adjusted their understanding of what women are and how the world has become today.
1: Exactly. And also, a point that's missing from that argument is, sure, humor is a a factor in women choosing uh, a partner, but... There are just as many women who thought the guy was really funny and fell for him as women who are awkwardly laughing at your not funny jokes just to be polite. And also if we're gonna go the biological route, you know, back in those days when women were in the village taking care of the kids, sewing the animal hide together to make clothes, they probably talked a lot. I mean, that's what we do, right? We chat, we share, we gossip. Yes. And they probably made yes. some fire jokes back then that the men just weren't around yes. here and they wouldn't relate because they had very different experiences back <laughs> then. And e- even now, as society grows, the experience of being a man and a woman in society is still quite different in a lot of ways. So... I guess in the end, the answer to the question is, well, you can't really say for sure if men or women as a whole are funnier because it's a subjective thing. It's subjective. And to be honest, funny is a metric for intellect
0: and emotional maturity. That's true. So, you know, we're actually telling you we want someone that can enjoy life, has the emotional stability to take a hit and enjoy a joke and make something fun out of something depressing that is life. (laughs) And we want someone smart enough to be able to recognize that and converse that in a witty way that reflects on their intellect. And I don't think they get that part of it. They just think being funny is a key attribute to their abilities or their appeal. <laughs> <laughs> I know. <Sorry. laughs> oh, cynic feminist here.
1: Okay, so uh, moving on to the parallels between Jewish and Chinese culture. It was very cool for me to watch the show, which had a lot of elements of what it was like to be Jewish in 50s America, because I haven't really watched anything involving Jewish culture before. It quite surprised mm-hmm. me how many similarities there are between Chinese culture and Jewish culture, in that the, there's this very connected, strong-knit family, and... Uh, the, the parents, they support their children even after they're adult. And uh, yeah, mm-hmm. what What did you think about it? I think that in hindsight, because I think we did some minimal research on this,
0: um, and there are a lot of parallels between Jewish and Chinese culture, especially in the case of filial piety. Um, in the Old Testament, it says to make your father and mother glad those who gave birth to you rejoice. And this kind of guidance is rare. Right, like you don't see that a lot in Western culture because Western culture focuses on individualism. It focuses on come, like, uh, sort of accommodating to the kid and also maintaining this like independence as a parent. That's why they have like when you're 18 to kick the kid out.
1: And they I've try heard to, a lot uh, like, of Bible quotes, but I've never heard that one before. And I guess well, that's, that's from says the something. Old Testament. Yeah,
0: <laughs> yeah, it's from the Old Testament, and it, and and uh, I feel like what we're told about Western culture and what I've heard briefly during my stays in America is that unless you're extremely well off, well off, um, the general concept is that eventually you're kind of on your own. Right. But in Asian culture, we have something called filial piety called shell. And it's such a central and embedded concept in our culture that I don't really think Western culture fully understands. They constantly think it's a Confucius thing. They think it's a, it's a toxic thing. And, I understand the downsides of like excessively practicing filial piety, but I think it's so much more complicated. It's so much more related to politics and relationship dynamics in the family that it's hard to conceptualize for Western people, but it's very relatable in the sense um, of Miss Maisel because you see a lot of parallels, like Living with your parents, relying on your parents, respecting their wishes so that you don't, so they don't lose faith, Um, because of your actions
1: yeah the whole thing with joel and his dad was very relatable because Mm -hmm. he didn't have so so many of his own ideas because his dad had so many opinions about what he wanted joel to do with his life he organized a job for joel he was like okay you marry this girl and yeah it's no wonder and you can see that kind of uh, Over controlling parents In Asian culture as well So it's very relatable And it's very interesting how Joe takes on More of an independent role within the family As he grows up And mm-hmm. he starts exploring who he is
0: Yeah, definitely So, Which is why I feel like as, as someone Asian This was such a great show for us to watch together And it's also an extension of um, Amy Sherman Palladino's work which is kudos to Amy you are making Asian girls proud and happy <laughs> yeah <exactly. laughs> the content you're producing mm-hmm. really it was, good it was such a pleasure to watch it did you
1: finish the whole show I mean I oh. watched
0: it a lot faster I might have skipped through a few episodes but uh, I, I
1: propelled through everything in a short period of time cool yeah I, I haven't actually got to the end of the ones that are uploaded yet but I really like what I see mm-hmm. so far and I wonder if they'll get to a big finale of Mitch's career at some point. Oh, no, I see that
0: there's a hiccup she's going to face based on the last part of the the latest episode. Um, And I'm very excited to see what they do for her because it's a feminist show. It's relatable to all cultures. Um, It definitely has a lot to say about something that's not purely white, but also very bourgeois. Yeah,
1: so it manages to be very entertaining and quite thought-provoking as well. So yeah, really enjoyed it. And I think we've reached the end Of our show this time So I hope you enjoyed our discussion Mm -hmm. This was very fun, thank
0: you everybody Until next time, titty tattles Until next time, see you guys, stay tuned
1: Bye